You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This week, we had a release of the gross domestic product data from the Republic of South Africa, and it was predictably bad. I then received a piece the next day which says the following, GDP and how to fund the 500 billion rand 2021 deficit, and it was penned by Nazmira Muller, who's the head of SA Investments at 91 in Cape Town. And the first paragraph says the following, in June, Finance Minister Tito Mbueni told us that South Africa would experience a 305 billion shortfall in tax revenues in the current financial financial year. This was in addition to the 368 billion budget deficit that was forecast in the February 2020 budget. As a result, South Africa needs to borrow almost 710 billion in the year ended 31st of March 2021. Nazmira Muller is with me now. Nazmira, these numbers are quite daunting to me and I don't know how, how it can be solved, but you have a solution, I think. I'm not sure I have a solution, but I think that South Africa is in a position where there are levers we can pull in order to solve the problem. The question is whether the political economy allows us to pull them. Okay. What does that mean, the political economy? In other words, uh, everyone getting together and saying we have to do this and we have to work together, or is there some other uh, magic wand that we don't know about yet? I'd love there to be a magic wand, Lindsay. Okay, our essential problem is that we are seeing a, we went into COVID in recession and we're seeing a very large contraction in the economy this year and this is feeding through into the tax revenue numbers which you've already spoken about. Now the question is, what does next year's growth look like and how much confidence is there from the bond markets in South Africa's ability to grow in the future? Because if South Africa Inc. was a company, um, we would be focusing on what revenues are because the revenues would dictate the ability to service the debt. So that's what I'm trying to get to is how do we improve the growth outlook for the country? And I bring it down to a simple solution. Let's just implement three things. Let's prioritize. There, there are many things we could choose, but I think one of them needs to be Eskom. And the other two, I think we just pick three things and we actually execute on them rather than talk about doing them. Okay, so you've spoken about Eskom, but we've been speaking about Eskom ever since you and I first had our initial interviews years and years ago. We've been speaking about Eskom. We've also been speaking about SAA. We've been speaking about state-owned enterprises in general. That's the first one. What is the other one? What about the bond market? Tell me about the bond market. Well, the bond market right now is pricing in a lot of concern around South Africa's ability to finance its deficit in the long term. Given how weak growth is, given how low inflation is in South Africa, what we see is a 10-year bond yield um, of 9.2%, 9.3%, which means if inflation is averaging 28 to 3.2% over the next nine months, that's a real interest rate of at least 6% in South Africa, which is one of the highest in the world at this point in time. The growth policy is something also that we've been speaking about for a long time and I've been speaking about it ever since I've been broadcasting which is nearly 20 years now and it just seems to me that there isn't a cogent or coherent policy and in fact a lot of social media chatter at the moment is is about the ineffectiveness of our current president and presidency and the the, the lack of coherence there so we can we can talk about it as much as we like but it never seems to take a step forward in fact it might take a, a sort of a shuffle forward but then two steps back. I don't think it's as bad as that. So I think we're taking some shuffles forward. Um, unfortunately, the situation which the president inherited was so bad that shuffles forward is not enough. 
the ground's falling out from under him, and that's the problem, which is why we need to take some proper steps forward. And um, Eskom is one of these issues. I think we need to... Um, and to cl clearly move forward towards unbundling Eskom, towards allowing much more private sector participation in electricity generation, notably renewables, and to use this moment in time that the um, global economy's focus is on um, sustainable energy and the green transition to use that in whatever way we can to restructure Eskom's debt. So that's one thing that I think is important. Beyond that... What I say is, let's pick two things, whether that is accelerating um, the spectrum sales, which I was um, happy to see ICASA coming out earlier this week, saying that they would have um, the first step of that released by the end of September, and they're hoping to finalize the sales by the end of December. If that were to happen, I think that would be a really good step forward. I mean, other issues um, would be resolution on the visas that we've been talking about for several years now. And I know there we don't have international travel at this point in time, but let's make it as easy as possible for when travel opens up for tourists to come into the country. Um, beyond that, is this infrastructure pipeline. And I've been very impressed from everything I've heard from Professor Ron Hopper, who's in charge of the infrastructure office, but yes. we need to see a few projects coming out of that. And I think if we manage to do a few of these things, that will improve confidence significantly because nobody expects progress right now. Confidence has been so depressed that no one actually expects to see progress that executing will go a long way. And are you seeing signs of that? I mean, you're more politically aware and politically connected than most people are, Nazmira, you and your team at 91. Are you seeing signs behind the scenes that we don't know about? I think the signals are mixed. The smoke signals right now are a little bit mixed. So the the spectrum sale, I think, is positive. I think the progress we're largely seeing at Eskom is positive. I know that's difficult to believe given the load shedding we've had, yes. but there does seem to be an increasing coherence around um, views on what Eskom should look like from the entity itself, from the Department of Public Enterprises. Even if we look at Kasatu's plan, they have had um, an epiphany that this unbundling is necessary, that we need to see green energy um, in, involved in the space. You sound quite positive, and you didn't like my shuffle uh, analogy and then two big steps backwards, and I understand that. But at the same time, your article that you kindly sent me says the following, and it, there's a caveat to your enthusiasm. It says here, a long time ago when we were at UCT, that's the University of Cape Town, we had a finance professor, you say, who talked about how South Africa was in danger of falling into a debt trap. A debt trap is when you borrow to make interest payments on a permanent basis. South Africa has been borrowing to make interest payments for several years now. If no Actions are taken to rein in spending and boost growth. One third, one third of all revenue will be used to make interest payments within five years. And then we're in danger of becoming Argentina or Brazil or other countries that have fallen into the same trap, Nazmira. Lindsay, that's the risk. And I think that was the purpose of the article. It's, it's not that I'm massively optimistic it's all going to get done. I'm, I'm simply highlighting that there's an opportunity to do it right now and we don't have to rely on other people we're not looking for the IMF to solve our problems we can solve them ourselves at this point in time and that is the space we find ourselves in and, and I think there's some positive signs it could happen but if it doesn't then we are going to see this deterioration in our fiscal metrics because funding 
deficit of 500 billion rands in 2021 is going to be very difficult. This year, we did it with a combination of multilateral loans from the IMF, the AFDB, the New Development Bank, but also a big increase in local banks' bond purchases. I think their ability and appetite to increase that much further next year is quite limited, which means you do need to get foreign and local institutional investors comfortable on the long-term bond market outlook in South Africa. And the way to do that is to improve the growth outlook. Exactly. Execute on those things. I think we can fund that deficit. If is a very big word. And in fact, as somebody said to me the other day, if is a complete sentence. Without progress to boost growth, you say in your concluding comments, South Africa will struggle to fund the budget deficit next year. The good news is that the solution is clear. The bad news is that we do not know if there is sufficient understanding within government of the need to act with urgency. How much longer is it going to take for people to become urgent, do you think? There must be some people becoming urgent within the higher echelons of the South African government. Oh, I think there definitely is. And I think you see the finance minister um, being very visible in his exasperation at points in time. Yes. Um, because I think he understands the decisions that need to be made and the progress that, that needs to happen very clearly. Um, so I, I think there is understanding in, in many areas. I think the question is whether... Um, the, whether enough progress can be made. Um, and, and, and the other big unknown, Lindsay, is whether we're going to see the expenditure cuts that the finance minister announced in his supplementary budget being um, p- continued in the medium-term budget policy statement, which will come out probably in the last week of October. Because as much as growth is the long-term solution, we need to show a commitment to containing expenditure. And notably what that means is containing wage growth. Note, I didn't say we need to cut wages, which would be ideal, but I don't think that's going to happen. We just need to have zero wage growth in the public sector over the next couple of years, which I think is very reasonable. Many private sector companies are implementing policies like that or even cutting um, salaries in some case, given their sharp decline in revenues. So the government should be able to do the same, one would hope. But that is a difficult thing to achieve. You've had your economist hat on this morning chatting to me, but also you're head of SA Investments at 91 in Cape Town. And your final uh, sentence says the following, or a couple of sentences says, uh, from a portfolio perspective, the key is to balance this valuation attractiveness with the obvious fiscal risks. So extracting a decent income by owning some SA government bonds is best balanced with some offshore exposure and downside protection in case one of the many local fiscal risks materialize so there's uh, there's three or four things there and you've you've got to have a really quite sophisticated portfolio structure from what you've just said yes because it's what we were talking about earlier the bond market on many metrics looks cheap you've got a yield of 9.2 percent on the 10-year point which is very attractive at this point in time um you're getting a large pickup on inflation, you're getting a large pickup on short rates. So if you had to put your um, money in a money market account, you're going to get about 3% currently, whereas the bond, the bond yields 9.2%. So there is an attractiveness in that yield being presented, particularly in a low growth environment in South Africa. The issue is that the bond market is priced for many, for many concerns and risks, but it's not priced for a um, for the Treasury to abandon the um, consolidation in expenditure that they announced in June. 
So if the, if the politics don't get behind that supplementary budget and produce the details we need in October, you could see a worse outcome. And that's why we're saying there are fiscal risks, which you need to offset the income in the portfolio that you get from the bonds with um, a bit of protection, with some offshore exposure. Very final question. And this has been an enduring theme over the last couple of years when we've been speaking, Nazmira. If we endure another downturn internationally. I mean, we've had, we've had this extraordinary, for example, asset class fall, uh, which uh, reached its worst level at the end of March, and then it's bounced back, or rather certain asset classes have bounced back quite dramatically. But if we start turning down again, and there's a couple of signs that that might be uh, happening, how vulnerable is South Africa to a global downturn, markets-wise? I think it's, I mean, I think South Africa is vulnerable. It's generally high beta. Um, you are likely to see some pressure on the currency and pressure on the bond yields if that were to happen. But I think you've seen a lot of money already exit the country, both in the equity market and the bond market. I think the bigger issue is if globally you see the economic recovery splutter and start to go the other way. That would be much more worrying to me. Nazmira, thanks so much for your analysis. That's Nazmira Muller, Head of SA Investments at 91 in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.